Welcome to our bonus episode. Today, we are going to talk to Genesis Amaris Kemp. She is a fellow podcaster with her podcast is named Gems, G-E-M-S. And we're going to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging in relation to healthcare. Genesis is on a mission to educate, inspire, and motivate others. And she is also a visionary life coach, author. Her best-selling book is called Chocolate Drop in Corporate America from Pit to Palace and a motivational speaker. You can find more information on Genesis at genesisamariskemp.net. Her name is spelled G-E-N-E-S-I-S-A-M-A-R-I-S-K-E-M-P.net. And of course, I'll leave Genesis information in the show notes. Enjoy the show. And the next episode that we'll have is on Thursday, which will be our usual podcast. I'll see you guys on Thursday. So on today's episode, we have a special guest with us, and her name is Genesis Amaris Kemp. Welcome, Genesis. We're so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, Trisha. I'm super excited to be in the hot seat with you. Yeah, so with Genesis today, we are going to talk, we're going to dive into the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion and we can, we are going to tailor it towards healthcare. And so that's why Genesis is here. She's going to teach us lots of different things when it comes to this. So before we get started in our conversation, can you kind of go through a little bit about the definition of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, just as kind of like a context. So when we start talking about healthcare, we kind of have an idea and an understanding of what that, what that means. Yes, sure. So whenever you think about diversity, it I'm going to read the dictionary's definition so people get the context behind it, because there's a lot of misnomers out there on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. So diversity is a range of different things, including or involving people of different social and ethnic backgrounds. And that could be different genders, sexual orientation, and etc. So that's diversity. And if you think about it, like for layman terms, we have diversity all around us between diverse cultures, diverse foods, diverse backgrounds, where we come from, diverse industries, and etc. Even music, y'all, there's diversity in that. Equity is now being fair and impartial, meaning that you're leveling the playing field for everyone that is included. So those are two definitions there. Then if you want to get into inclusion, how are you making sure that you're including the diverse population? So inclusion is the action or state of including or being included within a group or structure. And some people would say inclusivity. So providing equal access to opportunities and resources for people who might otherwise be excluded. That's inclusion. Equality now is being equal, especially in status, rights, and opportunities. And sometimes you could hear these words interchange or you could hear people throw them around loosely because they just wanna check the box. But we need to move past the check the box syndrome and really make it evident in all areas. 
And then belonging is just making sure that everyone has a sense of not just being seen, but being heard, but feeling valuable, feeling like they matter, feeling like they have a place and they really feel like they belong within that group, within that structure. And they're not seen as an outcast. And so Genesis, how is this something that came about that you decided to, that, that you decided to talk about and have a podcast about and, and then eventually write a book about? So this came about for me, one, I am first generation American. So I am very big in having the whole DEI. It's part of my life. It's part of who I am. My dad was South American from Curacao, so right off the tip of Venezuela. And my mom is West Indian, so she is from St. Vincent and the Grenadines down in the Caribbean. So there's diversity there. And then with my in-laws, one is Indian. So one of my brother's wives is Indian, so she's Trinidadian and Guyanese. My other sister-in-law is truly African. She's Cameroonian. My sister's kids are biracial, so they're half Caucasian. So there's all of that mixed there. And then with my husband's family, his stepmom is Mexican. So she's from Guadalajara, Mexico. And just all of the people in my family is kind of like, I tell people, we're like the United Nations. We're our own little melted pot over here, y'all. So that's one aspect. So my family is very important to me. The second part of why I'm so passionate about it is because I was in a male dominated field for so long. I was in oil and gas and energy for 12 years, but corporate America for a total of 15 years. So there's a lot of diversity there whenever you are interacting with your vendors, but within the group, it's, you know, the older white males. And when you don't see someone that looks like you, it makes you work harder and push. So you could really connect with people who work like you or get more people within that population. So that's from the work aspect. And then whenever I think about the world, whenever you're afforded the ability to get outside of your home base and travel the world and submerge yourself in vast culture and richness and et cetera, it just makes my passion for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging just so much more richer. And I want to bring that to the forefront to let people know we're more alike versus different. And we have various commonalities. So if you focus on the commonalities between you and somebody else, then you're bridging the gap and you're connecting on a level that is beyond just the surface. You're going beyond the superficial and you're connecting with another human being for what they have to say, what they're bringing to the table versus just looking at their outward appearance and automatically just Xing them out because they're different. Yeah, that's so interesting because I think right now it's so polarized and we all we do is talk about the differences in, in people. And so it's such a, a different and quite refreshing approach actually to look at what we have in common because we have much more common probably than we do differences. So that's a really great reminder. So when it comes to health, I know this is something that I'm really passionate about and I know that you've had experiences in healthcare. When it comes to this topic, do you want to kind of share some of the things that you've seen in healthcare and some ideas of what you think could be different or or that we can start to work on as a society in healthcare to make it better so that everybody feels included? Yes, absolutely. So my personal story with healthcare is 
I really got involved in it at a young age. So when I was in high school, I actually started working at a cancer center as a way of a co-op program. And the way that certain people are treated versus insurance versus non-insurance, if you have a certain type of insurance, because there's different tiers of insurance, you may not necessarily get all the benefits and perks. So sometimes you may have to forfeit or forego certain types of treatment because your insurance is not covering it. But because that insurance is not covering that type of treatment, should you suffer whenever you need it for your health to just really promote that longevity and sustainability in your life, then with me personally, I went from having private insurance when I was working in corporate America to being laid off in February of last year. And then I had to get on state and state funded insurance, which is totally different. Not everywhere accepts state funded insurance because, you know, they don't always get their money up front or it takes a longer time for them to pay out. So if I need to go to a medical profession and I have state insurance to be turned away because you have a certain type of insurance, you know, that hurts because I've always had employer funded insurance and I've always went to the best doctors. And now that I have the state insurance due to the circumstances, it's kind of heart-wrenching and things are done differently. And I feel like people shouldn't have to suffer because they don't have the proper insurance coverage. I feel like if you're really about healthcare and you want to see people improve, then put your money where your mouth is and help that individual. Don't just look at it as a caste system and set somebody aside because you're playing with their life. Another thing I want to look at is whenever you think about racial equity within the healthcare system, the way that a melanated person or people of color are treated in comparison to non-melanated individuals within the healthcare sector is very different depending on what area you're in. If you're in an urban area that's underdeveloped versus a developed area, sometimes the technology that they have between the two are very different. The doctors that choose to work within those settings are very different. The treatment plans and resources are very different because let's just be real and frank. The healthcare insurance is driven by money. If they're not getting funding from the pharmaceutical companies, if they're not getting paid on time, they're not going to just go out and put their neck on the line because everything is money driven. People don't want to work for free. Let's be honest, Trisha, would you and I work for free? No, but I feel like when it comes to health care, you signed an oath to serve and help somebody else. So in that aspect, things should be seen differently, whether you're offering payment plans, whether you're offering maybe a treatment plan that someone can get, but then you can lower the price based on the location of where where you're at, or maybe even offering, you know, nonprofits to step in and help those individuals out. I think just going the extra mile to just ensure somebody is taken care of, because what about if the shoe was on the other foot and it was your family member or even friend? I think most people probably agree that there are some changes that are necessary with the insurance industry. And that's a huge topic that I don't think either of us or anybody really at this point in the States anyway, have a solution to. And I think it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's great to, for you to share that knowledge of of the inequities that you've seen. I mean, I've seen it too. I mean, I've worked in, as a dietitian, I've worked in a big hospital that was like in a city setting in an urban setting. And then I've worked 
now I work in a dialysis center. So it's different. I mean, you get to, you, you do see a disparity when it comes to diseases and disease states, but I think it's hard to really dispute. So my guess is you're probably already pretty knowledgeable about that much more so than I am. Yeah, it's a lot of trial and error for me. I learned a lot from having to be a patient advocate for my dad whenever he went into the hospital with something just as minor as his blood sugar levels being elevated. It was in the middle of a pandemic and three days later, my dad gets paralyzed from the waist down. And you're telling me you're not sure what happened to my father. And I'm asking, okay, did he have a stroke? You're saying no. But then when I push and push and push, I found out that he did have a stroke and you never notified us. So that stroke went unnoticed. Then he go, he's then he's rushed out of there because insurance only covers a certain amount of days. So then you have to find another facility. He goes to therapy and mind you, he's paralyzed from the waist down. So he can't turn himself over, but because the hospital is overpopulated with patients and understaffed with physicians, nurses, CNAs, and et cetera, then it leads to him getting a bed sore. So then he has to go back to the hospital. Then again, he's only there for a certain number of days because of insurance. Insurance only covers a certain amount of days in the hospital. Then emergency surgery needs to be done. Then he goes to LPAC, long-term acute care. Then from there, he it gets to the point where my dad's just fed up because he's not getting the proper care. So I was like, just send my dad home. I could do home health and bring in a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, a nurse, and et cetera, but it shouldn't have to get to that extent. And yes, the pandemic was something that no one could foresee or predict, even though the government officials were aware that, okay, something is taking place. We need to jump on the bandwagon, but because we didn't, you know, pro, we weren't proactive, we were reactive. I think a lot of people lost their lives in the pandemic due to medical negligence, due to, you know, not having the proper care and attention because everyone was strained up. Yeah. I mean, I worked in a nursing home during that time and I think we were all just doing the best that we could with the resources that we had. So, I mean, I get that. I mean, I think nobody really knew from where I was kind of what to do. And then I can't imagine being in the hospital and having to navigate that where the doctors and nurses are probably doing the best that they can with the information that they have, and then have to be an advocate for your loved one, which you may, may or may not even get to see during that time. So I definitely get that. I mean, it sounds really, it sounds really terrible. So when it comes to healthcare, what are some things, or just in general, even in our, in our lives, what are some things that we can do that we that we can do to do differently so that we can become more, more inclusive and offer more belonging and more diversity and more equality to people that we work with, that we love, that we interact with, that maybe we are in healthcare with, like, what are some suggestions that you think are beneficial? I would definitely say whenever you are with your physician, see it as a partnership where you're asking those questions and they're engaging with you and y'all are on the same path. Like you understand the treatment plan. And if it's not something that you understand, you voice that concern and you make sure that your concerns are actively heard and that physician is listening to you. And if you feel like that physician is not right for you, then change physicians because this is your life. 
Um, always do your research, do your due diligence to understand about what is going on with your body. Be open to getting a second opinion because one one option from one physician may not be the best option. So make sure you look at it. Other options, always be open to Western medicine as well as you know natural remedies. There's various holistic practices that you can use, acupuncture, chirotherapy, there's a hyperbaric chamber. There's so many other things out there, modalities that you could pair with Western medicine where you're not where you don't feel like you are a walking zombie that's pill popping, because we all know that pharmaceutical drugs do have side effects. And sometimes those side effects, they give you another medicine to help cope with those side effects. And you want to make sure that you're listening to your body is another important component because your body is a powerful healer and your body will never steer you down the right, down the wrong path. Also, before you let situations get worse, I always encourage people to have a nutrition a nutritionist, if you could afford it, have a dietitian if you could afford it and make sure you have those conversations because just like exercise is beneficial, but also what you're eating and what you're putting into your body. So those two pair very well together, making sure you're um, staying hydrated. So I always tell people, take your weight, divide it by two, and that's the number of ounces you personally need for your body. Or I've heard some other people say drinking a gallon of water a day, getting in at least 30 minutes of activity a day, whether it's moderate activity, whether you're walking or jogging, or just doing a fun activity that you like to just get your heart rate up and just get moving. You want to make sure you're limber because that will help with the longevity. And then just being knowledgeable of what you're intaking in your body. What type of foods are you eating? What's what type of supplements are you taking? And how does your body feel? So that's another thing. Let's see. Oh, there's also a ton of free seminars out there that you could take within the healthcare sector that you could sign up, whether it's the local hospitals that are putting it on or different clinics. I know where I live in Texas, they always send out flyers. So I think that's also a good way to get educated on various topics. And let's see, there's so many good things, tips. No, that's what I mean. So it's like, how can people become educated on diversity? Like if this is something that they're, they want to do in such a polarizing time, like what can they do to learn more about like the inequities in corporate, like you were talking about, and then also in healthcare too, because we know it exists, but what can you do? Like, what can the, what can we all do together to make it better? So definitely go out there and grab material. So you can find material online to research. So education is like yeah, your first educate. Thing. Yeah, education is my first thing. The second thing is talking to somebody who's in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. Like I connect with people via podcasts who I know are in, in that space. I connect with other people who are in my network just to ask them questions, especially if they're different from me. I want to see what their point of views are. And from their point of views, is there a way that we intersect? Can we really have like a transparent conversation like Trisha and I are having? Another thing, business-wise, I use LinkedIn and I connect with various business people who, who I see that they're putting out content, but I also go and fact check that content and I research, okay, is this con content liable? Is it true? Is it credible? Let's see. So, so how do you 
connect with those. So like you educate yourself. Is there any books that you particularly like in terms of like getting education and people more in tune to the language of diversity inclusion? So all of it has kind of just been first-hand experience uh, there's like no books that I could like really recommend that I've read because I, I just use it based on what I've learned like from my background in corporate some of the people that have been on my podcast talking about it and then some of the other business people that I've met like with <laughs> the way my life is set up right now I'm just so busy I haven't had time to actually go sit down and read diversity, equity, and inclusion books. But I did take a eight-week course with the University of South Florida with Muma College on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. And that has helped me a lot because there were people from all over the world coming together, sharing their experiences. So I took that course. I think it was last year when I took it and it was very um, open, eye-opening and enlightening to hear that other people are going through things similar. So for you, it's it's educating yourself and connecting with other people and listening to how other people, like, I guess, other points of views, which is really hard. And by the way, she's pregnant. Genesis is pregnant. That's why she's saying that her life is so crazy. She's expecting a little one. Congratulations. And so, yeah, so that's, so it's interesting. I mean, it, it's like, that's what I'm trying to figure out is like, how do you connect with other people that if you're interested in doing it. So you gave some really, if you're interested in becoming more inclusive, what would you do? And so that's what you're saying is basically reaching out to other people that may share the same interests as you and then educating yourself. And of course, you don't have to be educated because you live this every day. So it's it's very different for you than it would be for me. Yeah, and I would just say like, Trisha, for for you, like if you see someone that is doing something within this space, like just reach out, like, because you have nothing to do lose I say like just shoot your shot to say hey I really see that you're involved in this area I'm interested in learning more would you be open to having a virtual tea or coffee chat or if they're within your community would you be open to maybe grabbing grabbing lunch or something like that and just connecting with them on that level and then branching out from there to really build that rapport where you could really connect and ask those questions. And some some things I've said is like, I've had conversation with white males who are polar opposites. And I said, you and I are from two different backgrounds, but here's why I feel like we're more alike than different. And I'll put a disclaimer out there so it doesn't come off like I am attacking them or making them feel like their back is against the wall. What is your disclaimer? So like for one guy, I say, okay, I see that you talk about this topic, like, and this topic to me seems very offensive based on X, Y, and Z, but I'm open to learning why you feel the way you feel. So that, that could be like a disclaimer because it's personalized for each person that I interact with, but I do want to put a disclaimer that's respectful, that lets them know I identify with where you're coming from, but this is how I respectfully disagree. And this is how I think that we could take the conversation to learn from one another and why we feel the way we feel, but then put it back in the area where we can, you know, come to some form of agreement based on how we understand and see one another. And so when you, so Genesis has a book and I'll tell you more about it um, at the end, but she has a book and it's called Chocolate Drop in Corporate America from the Pit to the Palace. And again, I'll leave 
Genesis is showing me a picture of it, but I'll leave that in the show notes. So what brought you to write that book? And then what was kind of the result or what did you learn about this topic in writing that book? So what brought me to writing the book was a day in corporate America. It was a very frustrating day that my supervisor and I did not agree on my performance review and assessment for various reasons. I knew the work that I had produced was stellar. I knew the KOs that I received, which are knowledgeable others, just um, met up the metrics, but she wasn't really involved in my proprietary project at the time because she was just so busy. So I don't feel like she had enough information to represent me in the ranking meeting. So I just pulled out my phone and I wrote down the words chocolate drop in corporate America. I wasn't even thinking about writing a book when I wrote that down, but it wasn't until I met another author who said, hey, have you thought about writing a book? And she linked me up with her her publisher and then the rest kind of took off from there, wrote my book in two months, did it all on my cell phone because I had no laptop at the time until my husband bought me one. (laughs) And I didn't want to use my work computer. And I think what I got out of the book was the fact that other people who read the book, whether they were males or whether they were females, and I've had a mixed review of non-melanated folks versus melanated folks. One guy was working for the U.S. government, and he said my story was identical to his, except the fact that he was working for the U.S. government to the point where he shared how he faced like, you know, discrimination and abuse. From the government and it was so bad that former president barack obama got involved in his story and then he actually went up against the board of education for his daughter who was bullied at the school that she was in but no one you know was listening to her even though they had police reports even though they voice of concerns but she was that african-american girl in an area that was predominantly white And so he shared his stories there. I've also had other people telling me, oh, wow, your story was my story, but I was afraid to speak up about it. And those are some of the um, other things from the first edition. I have like over 47 reviews on Amazon. And the second edition, I have 10 reviews right now. So you learned, so you felt like in writing that book, what you learned is that there's more, I guess it, it goes with your theme of like having more commonalities than differences. And you're sharing your story so that other people are able to resonate with it, are are able to resonate with it. And so that there can also be some learning that goes involved in it too. Absolutely. Because I feel like me sharing my story is opening up the opportunity for other people to share their story, whether they experienced something that was similar or different. And then by hearing them share what they learned out of the book, it opens up a conversation to be had. Well, great. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thanks so much for starting us in this conversation. We really appreciate your time here. Thank you so much, Trisha. I appreciate just being a guest on your platform and just having this conversation. If you found value in this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Being a busy woman or mom doesn't mean that we have to give up on our health, wellness, or self-care. Together, we can take tiny, imperfect steps towards creating the whole health we desire and deserve. You can find us at wholehealthempower.com or on Instagram at wholehealthempower. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.